you did a little um, allegorical story at the last time, last of our meetings. You talked Please, about, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Your your kids play. This isn't as long or as detailed, and it may be <laughs> very. We it might we might end it very quickly, but this is a little scenario. Okay, so at our, at our university, we have a weird peer mentoring system in which you you and one of your friends basically get children. So these children, they're not actual children. They're people from the year below you. So you and your friend will each get one child each. And those child will be whichever subject you do. So my friend met our children before I ever did. And you gotta stop calling them children, man. Why are you yeah, calling them really children? Is it the real term? What's going yeah, it's on? It's the here? real term. It's the real term. It's the, the term they use term. for somebody yes. like four and a half months like younger Yale than you. Yale called are? their like dorm people masters. Is this like just some weird old like <laughs> kind of yeah. fucked yeah. up thing? Wait, they're children. Yeah. They, is that well, okay? They're, they're, they're kids. I think they're like college kids. No, but what? But, but wait, aren't but they the what you were like six months ago? Like, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like they're that. peers. They're peers. I, I, this is already the flaw in the in the system. This is not. We have to. You shouldn't be calling these people children. So, okay. so your so your yeah. chemistry okay. your chemistry boy had two yeah. had a, yeah. had two kids. Well, unquote children. So it means that never talked to them. And I come back. I was like, oh, how's how's our children? And and he was like, oh, they're they're good. I think you'll get on with the English one. She really likes poetry. Uh, at at no. this point, my heart sunk. Yeah. My heart sunk. I was like, oh, oh God, I really hope she doesn't. And, you know, I, I, I met her and she seemed nice. But my moral question for both of you, and maybe more for Matthews, is am I right? Or, or can you at least sympathize with my... Oh, of course. In, 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 yeah, I totally understand that. And I think part of it is like in a vacuum, if you come upon a poem, like you have very good chances it's going to be bad. Very good mm. chance that somebody who's into poetry is going to be bad poetry. And like on the off chance that this girl, woman, child liked poetry. Daughter. This is your daughter we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. right? Is that the term of art? Yeah. So so no, I, th I think you're completely right in all. I mean, like that's when you then try to just try to give her a lecture on drill and alienate her that way. Brian, Does she have to call you father? Or no. is there, I just, I'm curious did, about would... how the, the vocabulary of all this works. Do, do you, you, do you pay her an you, allowance? She calls you governor. I wish she did. Well, I don't know. Do I wish, I, that sounds weird. I'm not, I'm gonna take that statement back. Buckley Smith, and you're listening to Slee Rickets. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and thank you especially to, if you have had a chance this week or, or recently to recommend the show to somebody you think might like it, I'm really grateful. And, and if you have not, please do. Please just take a moment to, to send a link or mention it uh, to, to friend, enemy, family member, or stranger. Uh, thanks also to everybody subscribing to The Secret Show. If you have not yet subscribed or tried it out, go to sleerickets.substack.com. You can put in your email address and I'll, I'll give you a free week's access. There's uh, 22, soon to be 23 episodes up there now and more coming all the time. This week, I've got a very silly episode for you. It's a conversation Cameron and Brian and I had. Cameron sent us a, it we'll, I'll, we explain it in the conversation. It's a little confusing, but he sent us a list from a British cultural authority on the 10 riskiest artworks of the 21st century. 
I responded to this list in our email thread with the admittedly slightly trollish claim that risk in art doesn't exist. And uh, we, we, had a, we had a lot of fun talking about this, but we also ended up getting into some of the real, some, some real questions about the nature of art and the nature of risk. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And there's, there's a whole other big chunk of this that I'm, I'm saving for the secret show because it's just too much too long, but that will be coming out also very soon. If, you I mean, would say you, but you would never say thou, because that's just for sure. your roommate. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I only call my room. I only address my roommate yeah. by uh, thou and I. I learned the word for the, 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 there's a term for that, at least in the, like the, the book I'm reading, which is a French book translated into English. They, uh, he uses it as the, the verb is, the infinitive is to, to toi someone. Yeah. To vous voyez somebody or yeah, to tutoyer like, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Like it's nice to have me like, yeah, of course it's French. So it's like still then confusing, but it's like, it's nice to have like a tidy little term for that. Uh, that, so that, like, that to really, personalize you someone. Yeah. I mean, is the thing like, we yeah. lost when we lost thou, right. The, like mm. that every other language has, which is the, the, and, the informal you. And why did we lose thou? Because when you realize that thou is the informal you, you realize it's incredibly helpful. And I don't, why, why, yeah. why, why, it's, why is thou a, gone? I don't know. It's a shame. Uh, the same reason we lost the real meaning of nonplussed. I don't know. I mean, like all the reasons like we used, we, what is some, there's some, some other word that we're, we, we're like in the process of losing right now that's been frustrating me lately. You hate reticent, right? That's your... Reticent, yeah. But then there's there's another one that, um, fuck, I'll, I'll remember it later. But yeah, like like those little, those little like losses of distinctions are always a little bit sad. Oh, as best as I hear people say, which is like a sad little, it was like, as best I can is a lovely little construction is quickly becoming as best as I can. Yeah, I can't weird. become one of these NPR grammar guru Nazi folks. <laughs> like, I don't, I just, I, it seems like there's far, far more, um, it's far more despicable to have strong opinions about this than to misuse language in my experience. Like if I was going to choose the person to hang out with <laughs> and I could choose either the person who uses all the words wrong or the person who's commenting on the people using the words wrong, I would prefer to spend my time with the people who misuse the words. I agree with you. I will be even more of a piece of shit and make a further distinction, which is that I, I think there is a difference between like correcting someone's grammar, like trying to tell people they shouldn't talk in a certain way, and then just like observing that there are some developments in the language that like create new possibilities for meaning and some developments that seem to just sort of corrode or collapse meaning. But then like, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I think like I was even, I was even gonna like do a little bit on like the amount of books I buy because right. you know, right, the, the right, thing right. is like amount is funnier than the the number but it's number. less correct yeah. so like because of this podcast i would then feel as with like as when i split an infinitive i would feel like an obligation to be like to then like do a meta comment on that well i'm happy to have the conversation about split infinitives that oh yeah i, I don't think understand I think that rule yeah. that rule like why would you not think, be able to modify a, a, a verb an with of, an adverb yeah. in between the two and the b like it's, why it's an artifact of latin like it's latin right. apparently but, did but, that so yeah but totally but why is that bad in english like what's the logical oh, no, because somebody it's not it's just because somebody it's just an arbitrary rule right yeah it's an arbitrary yeah, rule okay. because it seemed proper i still i i try to you know, it's a matter of habit for me, but yeah, no, I think splitting infinitives is fine. I think most of it's fine. I just think like 
when you lose distinctions, when you lose ways of expressing, that's what's kind of sad to me. Yeah, it's a bummer. We have 50,000 things to discuss. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that reminds me, I only have until um, 7.20 my time, which I think is oh, 7.25, 7.25 my time, which is 2.25 your time. So we should probably get going. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, uh, can, we can start the first half of one thing and then Matthew and I yeah. can make fun of. Uh... So... All right. So you sent us this thing that is from The Front Row, which is a BBC show. A BBC yeah, yeah, you, just say front row. Don't say the front row. That's quite funny. Oh, they just call That's it front row. They're like yeah, Facebook. yeah, it's just called front okay. row. All right, just it's like when I said the Twitter. Uh, yeah. All right, so it's BBC Front Row, and Front Row is a show. Is a something. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, so, so it's um, it was a radio show and sometimes a TV show. It was mainly just talked about art. It offered sort of middling, middle brow to semi low high brow opinions on art. I think so. Mm. It was. It was decent at times. It was also, I, this list is quite contentious. It's the most contentious it gets, but it was mostly quite inoffensive stuff. But I don't know if it runs anymore. I've stopped listening to it. I only listened to, for, uh, to it just before uh, COVID, and then I think I stopped. So I don't really know if it's on anymore, but it probably is. And yeah, it's going going well. Mary Beard hosted the stuff on TV. She's quite famous. Yeah, it was mm. nice enough. All right. So they put out this thing the 10 biggest risks in 21st century art uh, and the little the little deck thing is what are the 10 riskiest works of art in the 21st century a little redundant there this that is the question that radio 4's front row asked a panel of judges featuring writer and producer deborah coughlin critic ellen e jones writer and performer scotty author will self and saturday review presenter tom sutcliffe and they put together this list Will Self, uh, they, they offer a little a little line he gives on the subject. In the words of, of Judge Will Self, the work should deliver us from our utter complacency. This, for me, is the very essence of the risk all artists should take when they set out to make their works. I want this list to draw people's attention to artworks that will really shake them up, not simply flatter them with the idea that they've been shaken. And then they have these 10 works of art, little descriptions, and then a little comment on why and how they thought about it as risky. Uh, I think this whole fucking thing is a mess. I think they're idiots, and I think that his 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 even his description of what risk is, which is like a fine thing, has to do with may, like maybe a quarter of the the items they chose. There's oh, so many things right. to try to figure out. So first of all, so the the headline, the ten biggest risks in 21st century art. Like, little okay. early for that one, isn't it? <laughs> right. I, I was gonna say, but like, if you wanna do a thing fine that can be the thing you're going to do but then to define risk as in in will self says the works should deliver us from our utter complacency now that has nothing to do with risk right right no it's a, it's a separate thing it's like a separate that's version. just like a, like a goal that an art, or, a, yeah, a work of art might have yeah. right sure. and then this for me is the very essence of the risk all artists should take when they set out to make their works, so they're just using so, risk as if it means something other than risk. So I think risk just means it sounds like means provocation, right? That's that's, that's really think, what it's about. But then they use it. I mean, they use it. I would say in at least three different ways in this list. So should we should we rattle off what the items are quickly and then go back through and talk about them? Yeah, a little go bit? through the top ten. Okay, so the top ten here are the top ten items, and I think this is in descending order of riskiness because they say that okay. the first one is the biggest one. And as you go, we're going to say what the what the genre is, because I think that that's not obvious always. Oh, so yes. you, you name it and then we'll try to see if if um, 
you know, Cameron or I can get the genre right after you okay. say the, 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 so number one. All right. So the number one top item, top riskiest, riskiest item, art of, number one, risk, to, number one risk in 21st I'm, I'm Paul Schaefer. Is, I'm doing Paul Schaefer here. Is, number one, is, you're number my one man, is Punk Prayer by Pussy Riot in 2012. So this was a performance, correct? It was, yeah. it was a, yes. a band doing a music. In a church. Okay, great. A number live two. Performance. Number yeah, live performance. Two. Yeah, yeah. All right, number, number two. Number two, biggest risk in the history of the 21st century. All right. Number two is Big Brother on Channel 4 in the year 2000 and then going forward a million years. So this was a season of a new, uh, of a brand new television show. But, yeah. no, but it's, I think it's like the but, whole show. It's not just the first season. It's not like season one was the gold. It's like that so there yeah, is a show. No, I yeah, think what like, I think what they're referring to is the the first season because that was the risky one. Cameron, am I right yeah, or wrong? Yeah, am I right or wrong? I think I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, think, number uh, yeah. three, number All right, three. All right, number three, number three. <laughs> attempted 1.0. I'm not sure that that's how they would say, it, but it looks like that. Attempted 1.0 by Skangdo and AM, and I'm sure that's saying I'm saying their right names right. All right, now this is this is according to Cameron the greatest work of art in the history. It, it, yes. It's um. It's sits Homer, above if the birth you of think Venus, Homer is, uh, is an individual, assuming Homer was an individual, it would be mm -hmm. Homer, Shakespeare, and then Skendo and A.M. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Mm, not really, but it sits above all the other artworks on this list. Number four. <laughs> what do we have? Number four. All right. Number four is salt, lowercase salt, period, Selena Thompson, 2017. So this is performance art, correct? Conceptual performance. But then they also rope in the prep for the play. Like number the, five. Okay. What do we have? Okay. Number right. five. Sure. Number five. Okay, number five. Jerry Springer, The Opera by Richard Thomas and Stuart Lee, 2002. All right, so this it's is an cool. opera. It's an opera. Yeah. An opera. All right, number yeah, six. It is. Really, really more of a play, but yeah, it's, yeah, they call it an opera. Music. Really more of a, just like a musical. But what, number, right, number six. six. Okay. Number six, Four Lions, Chris Morris, 2010. It's a, it's a movie? comedy movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's, a movie. it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. All right. Yeah, okay. um, uh, number seven. No, no, my job. Number oh, seven. Okay, right. Number yeah. seven on the list. <laughs> Dead Soldier, Mark McGowan, 2006. Conceptual yeah, conceptual Perform art. performance art though. Performing the performance performance art. Yeah, yeah it's a per performance. performance. Yep. Art, yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Sure. Yep. All right. Uh, conceptual art is this. You're giving him a lot of credit there. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. So, um, all right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for you, Brian. Oh, no. Number eight. Number eight, Lemonade, Beyonce, 2016. Album and accompanying films and performances. Yes. Music. M musical album. Musical. Musical album as opposed M to. All right. Yeah. Music. It's not spoken word. Yeah. It's not spoken word. There's a lot of spoken word in it. There's like, I would say too much spoken word. But yeah, number, right. nine. number nine. Number nine. Nanette, Hannah Gadsby, 2018. Uh, hilarious comedic romp. <laughs> number 10. Stand up comedy special. Yeah. Number 10, the 2012 Summer Olympic opening ceremony, Danny Boyle, 2012. Oh, I guess that 2012. Not yeah. I have no idea what the. Uh, perf per, uh, yeah. Expensive performance. I, I don't know. $27 million, they said. Colossal, uh, incredibly risky. performance. A yep. lot of uh, a television show. Is that okay. what this is? A TV show was a, that you could attend it was, live? It was a live performance that was televised, and it was, I was going to watch it, and then I saw that it's four fucking hours long. So that's what okay. it is. 
Yeah. Very boring. Uh, okay. So I I, got, I don't nailed it. They got it all right. I, th- I think well they're done. ten for ten. And what what is there is there something else that we should discuss? What was going to be on next on the list? <laughs> was, this, yeah. was that was that it? Uh, I guess. Are we done? So uh, I I I would propose that there are at least at, at least two very distinct categories of risk here. <laughs> Go for like, it. At the very least, delineate that, for us. Yeah. That in, in just to, to make it as as simple as possible, they're they are making no distinction between risk to person, yep, and risk physical, to corporeal risk, career, yep, and per, and I'm including in person like also like physical, but also like legal and you know like your own person is is the thing at risk versus versus like your career slash your like professional reputation. I don't think that works. I, I think that that half of the items on the list are, are neither. Oh yeah, no. Say, I would say like those are the two categories that of risk that they're that they're muddling. The third category, I would say, is utter risklessness. <laughs> like, that's that's that's. I mean, and I, utter I think, risklessness. Yeah. We would like there. There is no argument that it's risky at all, right? So they, these are the ten top riskiest <laughs> things ever to happen, yeah. and I think a large category among the top ten is something that I I honestly can't figure out a single way in which it's risky. And in yes. that category, I would put Jerry Springer, the opera. Oh, God. I would put Lemonade by Beyonce. I would put the um, Olympic opening ceremonies. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, Big Brother. A Big Brother. Big Brother. I, I would put, so I, at least half the items on the list, there is not well, but, a single risky and, element. I mean, attempted 1.0 it goes halfway in, I'd say. It's less risky than they think it is. I think it's too, why, it's like... too good to fit into any category of <laughs> oh, risk yeah. or not risk. It's just, it's the oh, sort of uh, platonic ideal of art. And maybe Wait, doing something this? so... Nana? No, this is no, attempted, attempted 1.0. It's so good yeah. that to, that it's, it's just like, a risk to, to create something. That is Paradiso, so, and, I yeah. can't that it's just pure pure white light. It's just nirvana. Right. And there, there's a risk to enter such a state. T.S. Eliot talks about the difference between true major poets and and accomplished major minor poets. I think this is what we're dealing with here. All right. So uh, I I also might gently suggest Nanette involved. Perhaps more risk than Beyonce's work and and Danny Boyle's work, but but not maybe not risk in the way that I think it's a little risky. I think Nanette's a little bit risky. It it, it it's. It, it so brings up. It brings how... up at least kind of an interesting formal question about risk. So I think I agree. I think you're right there. I think you're right there. I, I think Nanette is risky. Define, it, it, just, okay. Yeah. Define yeah. what in which what type of risk you think Nanette is partaking in or par- sorry participating in. So I think there is a uh, a personal vulnerability. You characterized this was a stand-up comedy special that was filmed and distributed on Netflix or wherever, but it was there was a particular kind of angle to this special as a comedy special. Do you want to characterize it for people who might not know it? I'd prefer not to be the one characterizing it. <laughs> do you feel comfortable you characterizing just, it? Do you want to yeah, read that's... the description on the website? Sure, we can read the description on the website. Though I think it's actually kind of a confusing description. Um, all right, okay. the description you on the website is... You can the description. Uh, Nanette, Hannah Gatsby, 2018. Hannah, with a first name basis. God, come on, guys. Hannah took that's, homophobic... a ri- that's risky. Risky of them, yeah. <laughs> Hannah took homophobic hate crimes committed against her and made them into a show that challenged the very structure of comedy... Her refrain through the show that she's given up comedy made the point that laughing at serious 
issues allows them to pass by unchallenged and so perpetuates the problem. What the judges said, Hannah challenged the very format of comedy in the show by asking if to laugh at something is to dismiss it unchallenged. She risked alienating her profession and the audience and the audience is expecting a laugh every 15 seconds by delivering a show with a serious message that questioned audiences culpability for laughing at jokes and ignoring the grim reality behind them. I think it's a con I think it's a confusing description. It, it was a comedy special. Part of the device of the whole show right. was that there were, as with many comedy specials since forever, there were also some sort of grave personal events and experiences that had formed the basis for some of these stories and, and jokes. She both told jokes and then she sort of deconstructed them and, and sort of had her cake and eat it, ate it too by like getting some laughs out of some material and then breaking up the material and sort of calling the audience's attention to the fact that they had laughed at it and maybe in that way missed something. I would argue that insofar as that kind of maneuver was successful, it was successful at, at, at like it being entertaining in a certain way. And that like, I, I think that it was formally uh, innovative in some ways. I, I found it, I found like her delivery of some jokes to be pretty funny. I thought a lot of the belaboring of like, is joke telling wrong? I found that very dull. So I felt like formally she was sort of doing some new things and people noticed that. I didn't find it to be very affecting artistically, morally, or whatever, personally. But also, I'm a straight white guy who's not from Tasmania. So, what, you know, what do I know? Which I, don't, I, don't say that, I don't say that just like just snarkily, but like I think that, that seems to be like maybe, maybe an implication of the show would be that, that what do I know? And not only an implication of the show, but the the many rounds of reactions to Nanette yeah. were, were I think, defined by a certain type of person that I am and, and you are, Matthew. I, I don't know you well enough to characterize you, Cameron, but I, I where I didn't like it as much as I like most stand-up specials i don't love most stand-up specials I, I don't find stand-up to be the the best kind of comedy but i like stand-up enough and i find some of it rather funny and i thought this was mostly boring with a couple funny moments um and then a lot of people responded to that criticism saying that was the point and i was being made to be uncomfortable and i i think that's a a, a sort of a, a a silly counterpoint, but there there seems to be some risk involved in purposefully alienating some percentage of one's audience. Yeah, my my inclination here, and this is there's maybe this is slightly more relevant to something like Lemonade, I think, but is to say that that the the risk involved in making a straightforward, honest to God, yes, I'm trying to make you laugh ordinary comedy special, which is not formally innovative necessarily, but like that's, there's a ton of risk involved there. And part of the risk is that you, if you're trying to make people laugh and you just fail, boy, that's, I mean, like that's humiliating. And if you, if you make a political point and a social justice point about what you're doing and in that way and like and try something formally innovative then then part of what you're going for is the recruitment of people who are going to be excited about the social justice or political point you're making. like 
I think like both, I think like sticking to your guns and doing a normal thing involves some risk. And I think doing something self-consciously innovative involves some risk, but I don't know that it's like notable risk, right? Like I don't, to me, it's almost like if you take, if you, if, if you have to account for that, then that's just like all art. Like it's all stand-up comedy risky. Well, like, yeah, sort of. Is all yes, art the, the one yeah, sort of. I don't know but, that this is more risky than your ordinary stand-up comedy special would be. But but the one area that that I I just don't feel comfortable judging is that in the show I, I saw it when it first came out. So we're talking four years ago now. But like, doesn't she tell the story of of a sexual assault against her? I so I I just don't want to. I I don't want to minimize the potential of having that be part of one's act feeling. A different sort of vulnerability like if I, to totally if i, I was like if i was sexually assaulted art. like that's also sure but but that can like, be so a, much a, art involves so much trauma and pain and weird memories and weird and like to me it's like that's that's baked into the risk that is art anyway but that is so much more than a lot than than big brother or uh you know uh Jerry Springer of the opera. Like, yeah, but there those, is something I would say, about those, those I would say alone. like fail to even reach the bar of like basic emotional investment. But there is art that requires risk, as you say, and maybe all stand up comedy fits into that. I, I think reading a, a story aloud where that story has jokes and any time that you are trying to evoke a certain reaction publicly and that a reaction will or won't be evoked, there is some risk in, embedded in that. Standing yeah. up in front of a crowd of people and trying to make them laugh, but also talking about a real experience where you were sexually assaulted, that that at least seems insofar as it's difficult and it might not work and it might make you feel bad and it might make nobody laugh. Like, yes, she has the safety net of calling it, you know, a, a pro progressive reconstruction of, of what uh stand-up comedy is but it seems like there's a, an element of risk there yeah i mean is that riskier that. than ben johnson's poem for his dead son like i, I don't know i think like that's i think i think you're but right i think ben that's, that's very risky i think it's very difficult i think it, it requires some some character and some a leap of faith and some gumption like i i, I do it's have respect for that, but i also think like, that's art that's art that's real like i think it's possible to call something art and not even risk that at all like and to be so sort of watered down in your expression that you don't actually invest any emotion. Like, I think it's possible to do that and call it art, but I think like that's not even reaching the basic, the basic like standard of like all art involves investment of self, exposure and risk. That's, also, ben, Johnson, ben Johnson's poem about his dead son isn't as, it isn't very funny from what I can remember about. <laughs> it's very sad, but it's not very funny. So certainly she's taking a different risk than Ben Johnson is in his poem about his dead son. I, just, I, I think that's a matter of the form. I think it's a matter of she's doing stand up and he's doing. No, but I agree with what poetry. Cameron's saying. Where if if she came up and her kid had just died and she was doing, you know, a, a, a solid seventy minutes on on her dead kid, th that would feel risky to me as well. I, I don't I don't think it's it it redefines a genre uh, in the, in the way that some people do. But there, insofar as we are being generous in any way. I, I think we have to say that going on stage, trying to get people laugh while telling the story of your own rape is uh, risky in I, I some way. I totally, I totally agree. I totally, and I'm not disparaging Hannah Gadsby here at all. I'm disparaging front row for calling this a notable kind of risk in art. I think it is the, 
I think it is exactly the kind of risk that you see everywhere in in like honest to God, Ooh, like okay. like no safety net art. I think that's what art art is and does. I certainly think that there is art that posits a traumatic experience while also drawing some form of humor from it. But is so is the know. humor thing? Does like humor make it more risky? Is that the yeah? The I think question? it does. I think it does because it's like a incredible mix. It's like a very strange emotional compound, which both allows one to sort of like control one's own experiences and take one's experiences away from just all the nightmarish violence of like their attacker or predator, but also sort. But it also could go horribly wrong if it wasn't funny. I think there is. I'm at the moment inclined to say there is more risk in that. I think. Yeah, I mean, so so this is like the like theater people are fond of saying dying is easy, comedy is hard, and I, I think I think this is to me like what where where I think you you are getting at something is that there's a there are some kinds of failure that have a higher penalty than others, mm. and I think like that failure may be a good way of saying it, right? So like like failure at, and this is why I I still say that like artistically like, insofar as we want to talk about and I like my obnoxious pro provocatory claim is that risk in art is a kind of a meaningless term but but like insofar as this is a meaningful thing this is why I say that formal poetry today is riskier than free verse not necessarily because it's any better but because when it's bad it's way more obvious and embarrassing with that bad free verse yeah. just sort of mushes along in a way that it's like often it's hard to tell but like when comedy fails it's part of why I love like when comedy fails it's painfully obvious I would say, however, that that like in that sense, in, insofar as I think I, I'll grant you, Cameron, that like comedy always maybe heightens the the penalty for failure. She is then uh, she's insulating she's putting, herself. She's insulating yeah. herself from that. Yeah, with the whole yeah, premise of her right. show, with like the formal that's premise right. of her show. That's right. Uh, so I think more about, so the formal yeah, premise of her show is that you don't. It doesn't have to be funny. And that she's deconstructing why it, the, well, the point is, is like you laughed point? at that how like how bad are you for laughing at that now let me tell you a sad version of that story that is not funny and like again like i think she is an extremely controlled and skillful performer i totally get how she was a successful stand-up comic comic within you know whatever small world of australia etc but like I, I think she did what she set out to do i just didn't find it very engrossing so another category of risk, and I only see two items in this category, but it's category that includes Big Brother, which the way is explained is in many ways, it's the original reality TV series, um, although that's definitely not true. Um, <laughs> big, like real world was... Right, like years yeah, before yeah, yeah. and very similar, but it doesn't and matter. Like candid camera and whatever, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. A big brother put 12 strangers in a house together, isolated them from the outside world and broadcast their every move 24 hours wasn't a that, day. Wasn't that the, like, the tagline of real, real world is like, when 12 strangers are stuck in exactly, a house Exactly, together, like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, but, but big brother, it, it, this was the original. The show was a competition where housemates were evicted by public vote. So that's different. Similarly, um, I think I, what else I would put in this category is uh, the 2012 Summer Olympics because it cost uh, 27 million pounds. I, th I think both of these were risks. Uh, they were financial relatively risks. safe financial risks. Yeah. We're like, maybe that wouldn't work out. Maybe no one will watch the Olympic Open. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, yeah. maybe, maybe it won't have been worth the money. Yeah. Or, I mean, what the Arch judges say made with other about, people's money. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. So I'm I'm less interested in discussing either of these things. Yeah. Either of and, the, I, either and I've of seen neither of them. I've seen bits of the first. No, I'm not very interested in. Okay, then the one that I think really is the riskiest is mm -hmm. the Pussy Riot performance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, Definitely, that's the riskiest. No, I mean, no. Yeah. No question. But in a very particular sense, right? So what is it specifically they're risking? They're risking their own uh, life and freedom. Yep. Exactly. So here's an interesting question. Is there any form of artistic risk to the Pussy Riot song performance? I, I don't know. As, as a no, song, I if don't it were just it a, as a song, it, like, I don't know Russian, but like the, I read the lyrics in English. The song <laughs> sounds like shit. I mean, it sounds like, it doesn't even sound like good funk. It just sounds Stop. like. Stop. I am not letting you critique the Pussy Riot song in a language. <laughs> oh, no, like it's unbelievably the correct. Lyrics, the video of them. The lyrics, there. you don't like it? Like, it just it seemed like puerile and and but could you, like, could, could, like, can no, you like, imagine some Russian like reading the the Beatles lyrics and being like oh, there's nothing very inspiring to that I think that's yeah. sure that's fine they can, like, Russians are free to make fun of the Beatles but also like if you listen to a Beatles song it sounds pretty fucking good and like you don't yeah. like I don't care like you don't have to be like there are plenty of reasons that, that people are successful but like the reason the like the Beatles also are like fun to listen to and like this is not you would never put this on as like oh, let me unwind and put on punk prayer. Like it's, so, so, they're super like courageous. Puck, they're super brave. They were super brave. I'm, I have respect for what they, you know, the, what the risk they put themselves at personally. I would just say that, like, this is where, like, my question is: if risk in art is a meaningful category or consideration at all, then it seems to be the case that the risk is always external to the art itself. Like, like it's very hard to identify like what is the risk within the art other than just the risk inherent in art. Yeah. Like the like I, you're, you 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 gave an example you gave a thought experiment Cameron about a guy who goes into who like sneaks into a Nazi concentration camp and writes a bad William McGonagall esque poem exposing all of the evils that are happening there and like this would be an act of like political personal bravery and it would be kind of like a journalistically important thing of course you could imagine all of the people saying like why didn't you just write it. What, like, but right. but like it would not be like it would just it would be a mere artistic failure, um, mm -hmm. and and in this case like that that sort of I think the difference is that the McGonagall esque Holocaust prayer would be more embarrassing than punk prayer is partly because like part of the premise of punk music is like it's supposed to sound like shit and and this <laughs> and like and this does but like they are very brave personally it just seems like it's sort of art is sort of beside the point. Okay. Right. Well, then, then you, I think, just queued up the lemonade argument mm -hmm. pretty well, because I think lemonade has almost no risk. The, the way that it's described, though, Beyonce got political in this album, which saw her foreground her blackness, directly reference mm -hmm. slavery, and align herself with the Black Panther movement. Um, it was also a deeply personal album, revealing her husband's infidelity in its af aftermath. Yeah. So I think this is a. Uh, this implies incorrectly mm -hmm. that uh, hip hop or pop or that wh wherever you want to call uh, Beyonce at the intersection of hip hop and pop and R&B or something hasn't already foregrounded blackness. The idea of foregrounding right. blackness as a new yeah. idea is totally bonkers. But right. if you do want to consider the risk that Beyonce took, she lives in a very, very white country in an industry that is uh, run by primarily white people. And she either used Black Panther paraphernalia with a token gesture towards a movement that she doesn't understand, or 
she really risked um, scaring off some white audience members. And maybe if you're talking mm -hmm. about a billion dollar artist, uh, scaring off the white people is a big risk. Yeah, something on the, the judge's statement says Beyonce risks a huge fan base by mo uh, making by making this move. Hashtag boycott Beyonce was trending during her Super Bowl performance of the song Formation. I was very surprised by this. That 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 boycott that hashtag boycott Beyonce was trending. That's what surprised you. Yes, that that yeah. did surprise. Oh well, me. that's just, because well, I, I can explain trending on that. Twitter can mean. But was that yeah. was that a right wing or a left wing attack? That was a right wing. Yeah, attack. that was very. So, right. all, okay. so the yeah. reason why that Beyonce was trending is, is saint on the left. And the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is the is the secular American holiday. Um, you know, even more so than Thanksgiving and football. The NFL leans conservative. So what? What the boycott Beyonce? Some people are mad about like kneeling quarterbacks. Right. So they're not people who are listening to Beyonce aren't using a hashtag boycott Beyonce. People who are already dislike Beyonce and are wondering what she's yeah. doing on their TV during the Super Bowl right. are using the hashtag boycott Beyonce. What they're really saying is boycott the halftime show. Exactly. Yeah. So, but but is this a? It might be risky to have one of America's most popular black entertainers lean further into her blackness. I don't think it's a risk because it didn't. It seemed like a very calculated political and economic strategic move to me. But I mean that's maybe just because she's a talented artist and can make anything seem successful and, and uh she so i did calculated. not i did not have the streaming service that that this was limited to at the time and and then it was limited to like some other streaming service and so i missed this i, I heard like many many references to it i think i heard one song from it uh i didn't see the videos and uh but but i i was i was touched personally because she has a reference in there to carrying around a hot sauce in her handbag and then hillary, hillary clinton got hillary clinton made fun and... of for for pretending to do the same yeah. thing but yeah. i was just excited because i always put hot sauce on things and it made me like me think like oh it's is it socially acceptable just to carry hot sauce around into the world and have it on hand to put on things uh, i still i still then wasn't brave enough i wasn't i didn't i wasn't risky enough to actually do that but um, I listened to much of it and watched much of it today. It's so good. She's yeah, it's a really good pop star, and like the videos are really good. There's a lot of like Terrence Malicky spoken word that I think gets a little, a little boring. Um, and she doesn't know how to swing a baseball bat, but it's a it's like very good and entertaining. She's a spectacular performer. Great performer, great singer. Like it's just like a fun. It's just fun. It's great. And the fact that we know her husband as well as we know her, and she sings about his infidelity is. Mm -hmm. In interesting like, oh, I, yeah. it's, it's like i think it's, it's a like, totally successful work yeah. of art it's like royal but family is it, drama is it risky maybe in that every time a successful artist puts yeah this is right you're 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 right great song and video of Beyonce's from several years ago uh, called Countdown uh, got a lot of grief because apparently it just plagiarized elements yeah. from, uh, let me pull up this, uh, the name, Anne Teresa de Kiersmaker did a ballet and apparently it sort of stole uncredited a lot of chore choreographing elements from that. And, you know, it made me think like, there's sort of like when you are very successful and you're talented and you're putting out work, there's sort of like everything is risky and nothing is risky. It's financially risky. 
Yeah, but but not really. I mean, seldom is it financially risky for the person making the artistic choices directly, right? Usually, it's someone else's money, yeah. and so like that that right. is risk, but that's a that's an investing risk, right? And also, as you say, Matthew, oh. just repeating the same album that she did last time would be financially risky in that, oh, in yeah. that same yeah. in that same way. My question to take a, a brief parenthetical is other than something um, purposefully uh, offensive, right. is there anything that one of the three of us could do that is risky? I mean, again, well, we, like, can, we can, can risk things outside of the art itself, right? You could go, you could go like do performance like, art in a play. You could like yeah. go do performance art like in the lobby of the CIA and just get. Or like do like a stabbing your hand with a knife poem. Where, right. Like, yeah. Hurt, like, yeah. You could physically right. hurt yourself. Uh, and there, and like, I, there were I two other examples yeah. of like, like, like possible personal risk where Mark McGowan, dead soldier. This sounded so fucking dumb. Um, at the height of the Iraq war, performance artist Mark McGowan, also known as artist taxi driver, lay down in the street in Birmingham dressed in military fashion <laughs> to represent a dead soldier. Based on the photograph, he was lying down like in a plaza, not it's in so the street. Stupid. It's so stupid. Which is like both like if you like you could lie down in the actual street and like that is super risky because you could just get fucking run over by a car. But also like what and then Mark put his body I love this description because there's like something telling in it. Mark put his body at risk for his work. This work was performed in a public space outside of the protection of the gallery with no way of knowing what the reactions of passers by might be. The protection of a gallery. Mark was kicked and shouted at for this work, which provoked a huge response from audiences, some of whom found his anti-war message offensive. You're like some of them I imagine like Brian, can you imagine like if you're running late for class and like some artist was like lying down on the sidewalk? Like like you know, like did you examine what his message was and decide whether you were for it or against it. <laughs> I, I, we also well, all knew the Iraq war was terrible from the beginning. What is it doing? What like, are you, it what does, is this? It, it's not right. This right. just sounded idiotic. There is an argument that some people, some people who will be very pro the Iraq war will like just come to a snap judgment that this guy is doing something which I don't like and possibly attack him. Like, I can imagine <laughs> yes. that happening. I can also imagine that most of the reason he got attacked was because he was just being an obstructionist, right? Like and that. also, isn't the best yeah. thing ever to happen to this work of art his getting attacked? Like, isn't that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the only reason why it's on this list or that it matters mm, or anybody's yeah. heard of it. Right. I mean, that, that's the other thing. Like, if you Otherwise, are, he's just some guy lying on yeah. the street. <laughs> if, you are, if you are an unknown artist and you don't like so. He, so actually, here is an example that came to my mind. So so in 2000, so like 10 years or so ago, uh, this little little like poppy, silly duo, Matt and Kim uh, had a breakthrough record. And one of the singles on that record, uh, which is called Lessons Learned, catchy pop song, just like fun pop song. They did a video for it where they Un, without permits, they 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 had somebody film them and they walked out into um, Times Square in New York City and took off all their clothes and danced. And uh, Kim, the, the woman, got uh, honest to God tackled by a cop. But like that was that was performing a similar kind of physical risk to Mark McGowan. Not a political song, not a song with like with any sort of important message. Just like a fun pop song to listen to and like a splashy idea for a video. In a way, like is not doing something to try to like be wild and get attention is that also risky like it just seems like this is again sort of baked into art like is what about you Brian? like you wrote three unpublished no novels like you are risking a number of things when you just sort of like boringly sit in obscurity writing novels like 
again, like this is to me, it's just like this is part oh, of. I, I mean, I, I I risked, yeah, uh, my marriage. I mean, I, I think sure, that, yeah. that, that's, that that's something that's like that's that's that, a risky that, that 21st century work of art. Is risk, like those right? that, that, like, like that right. third unpublished novel that you did, didn't get totally. that nobody's read. Right? right, which I think was pretty good, but like okay. that's Thanks, far man. riskier than like half of the shit on this list. No, I I agree. I, I think sitting down to write my fourth unpublished novel as a part time middle school oh, English God, teacher, yeah. needing to pay for my half the the mortgage when we were just uh, my, my wife was pregnant and we were trying to figure out I, the, the conversation where we sat down and said like, am I going to keep on doing this or not? And then it came down to the question of would my wife prefer to live with a version of me who quit writing or would my wife prefer to live with a version of me who kept on spending three years writing a new manuscript that couldn't get sold for perpetuity? Mm -hmm. And we together decided that she preferred to live with a version of me who just kept on failing with the small percentage chance that I might sell a novel over my go taking a different job and needing to live with that for the next however many years. I don't know if my marriage could have survived it. So like, I, I don't know whether it was a risk insofar as both options were risky, but that conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. felt a lot more, I, I don't know, important or uh, I, I don't know whether vulnerability is the, is the right vocabulary with which to discuss this or, you know, delivered, it delivered me out of my complacency, although I didn't feel very complacent, but, but that conversation I don't, felt, yeah, I don't think you were like not trying with your three, like, no, I don't think I was there was like more totally. urgency with the next one. I don't, yeah. But that, that definitely felt like a risk in either way, in a way that like all these people have enough of a reputation and have enough success Pussy Pussy, they were unknown. behind yeah. them. Right. Except Pussy Riot. And, yeah. and that, that I think was a true act of courage. But I mean, whoever greenlighted Big Brother on, on Channel Four and yeah, um, Salt so, 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 Salt Selena Thompson. Well, right. she, she had like a well, she but no, she also like she was coming back to a theater that had handed her a commission after a very successful show. And oh, she I came didn't up know with that. this concept. Also, they they in here they describe her as. Uh, in researching this 2017 theater work, Selena Thompson traveled as cargo in a container ship across the Atlantic. That makes it sound like she traveled in a cargo container, which would be it insane, does. like like yes. human slaves do, like like you know, like sex slaves. You know, are, is are that not what she did? No, this yeah. is this is not what she did. If you read her website, she traveled on a cargo ship with a what? collaborator, which is what another petite female novelist I know did just to get time where she couldn't go online. And she described it as insanely boring, but she got a lot of writing done. So it, it like this is, and then she and she they also use symbolizing in like a weird way. Like she then broke used a sledgehammer to break up a giant cube of salt, which sounds like physically demanding, but also like not more so than like Matthew Barney climbing a wall of ice with a fucking thing stuck up his butt, which is like lots of lots of performance art involves physical feats of strength. So. Like, sorry, it says here she traveled as cargo in a container. Sorry, in a yeah, in a in container, a container oh, ship. A container that's why ship. it's they that's... traveled. They said that in a container ship is a is a totally misleading construction. They, she traveled in it on a cargo ship, which again, like that sounds very uncomfortable. I don't want to do that, but not she. She was a, she wasn't. She wasn't in a steel box like the girls on the wire. Like it, it's yeah, a very I got, misleading. I got fooled by that also, Cameron. I yeah. think a lot of it has to do with the preposition, right? Because you think about traveling on a ship as the way yeah. at least it's constructed in American English. I traveled in a ship makes me 
think that it was right, like the girls in season two of The Wire. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. right. But if they said if they traveled in a container ship, I don't know if I'd assume that was cargo. Is they they put traveled as cargo? cargo. You're right. You're right. Ship. She's not traveling what? as cargo. She does on She's her not. website. She doesn't say that. She says she traveled on. She went on a cargo ship. Like again, it's just like and like I don't mean to disparage her at all, but like is right. theater like theater commissions are always like it. Reading a review of this piece, it sounded impressive in some respects, totally mundane and boring in other respects. And like a, a commission like this in some ways is not allowed to fail. Like it didn't take off and become an enormous hit, but it it it, it did about what you it was guaranteed to do by it having a commission by a theater that had already done a piece with her in the past. And like, so good, just God to, bless to, to play the, but well, I... I to repeat something along the lines of the comment I made with Nanette, is there, do, do, are you entirely dismissive of the last sentence saying a real emotional and physical risk was taken in order to tell an important story? The physical risk you've already dismissed. Are you, how do you feel about emotional a black risk. woman uh, going from Africa over the you know, Atlantic crossing in a way that her ancestors did and thinking through the implications of that suffering. Are you entirely I mean, dismissive take, of taking that? A, taking a, a, like a, a 90 minute plane ride makes me like nauseated and nervous. So no, like so, like just doing the logistics and travel and like, I'm as a black that, person, have... I'm saying as a black yeah, yeah, yeah. person, like, as a, like, re I, I redoing the slavery thing. Like if I, I went to Auschwitz, um, yeah. I, I, in real life I went and mm -hmm. I, that was, weird feeling and complicated sure, sure, sure. and then i wrote an unpublished novel involved involving that i it didn't feel like a risk it felt more like i was using the suffering of my forefathers rather than uh experiencing the suffering of it but is there are you entirely dismissive of the emotional risk no i'm not takes? i'm not dismissive of it all at all i just think that if you're really doing art for keeps it involves drawing blood and and I don't I can't obviously like this is a particular kind of emotional investment and experience I can't fully understand and I I wouldn't presume to but I do think that like the again like I am I am more impressed by the logistics involved than the psychic journey because again because like any serious work of art if you're really doing it right you you have to go for broke and I, like, I don't know how to, like, is this riskier than somebody who has a very boring life, but like a major, like major mental health problems? Like, I don't know. It's like, is this riskier <laughs> than like Sylvia Plath writing Ariel? Like, I, I don't know. I just think like art, I don't dismiss her, her psychological and emotional risk at all. I just think that like, if you're really doing art, you can't hold back with that kind of stuff. And like, you do have to put yourself on the chopping block. Cameron? You want to tell us where? Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I certainly agree it's emotionally risky as much of art should be. I, is it more? Isn't it more emotionally risky than Catullus insulting someone? In I, I've kind of names of who he insults. He insults quite a few people. Is it more risky than Catullus writing a poem where he, you know, Don Rickles? What do you mean? No, no, like somebody no, powerful. Like, Cameron's talking about. No, oh, oh, not like, even oh, like, 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 tell again. Like, we go come back to pussy, right? But yeah, like, well, like, you like know, the guy who like threw a shoe at George Bush, or yeah, that guy went to jail. 
Yeah, that was that was risky. Did he? Yeah. That was risky. Yeah, that, but you no, no, can't no, throw like, a shoe at the president. <laughs> you fucking like crazy. You go to jail. Yeah. Uh, Put back my plans for throwing shoes at people. Yeah, um, scratch that. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, so take the poet um, Catullus, right? Mm-hmm. We know him. Nice, good poet. So he writes. Yeah. He, you know, he was at I, much I, bigger I risk of like getting beaten up in a bar. Right. <laughs> Right. So, you know, when he says, you know, your nose is like like a dick or something, I can't remember the exact insult. Is that less risky than emotion, attempting to emotionally understand the slave trade? Totally Probably. depends on proximity to the guy whose nose looks like a dick. Yes, I get like, that's physical risk, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that... And if she went through physical, I don't know. Yeah, all out involved. Well, no, I mean, and like breaking like, up would, the salt on it, like that's you know, that's physically. Stop you know. it! Stop it! Breaking up like, the salt not a risk. risk. No, here, what what offended me, what bothered me about that is they say she says <laughs> Selena breaks up a huge lump of salt on stage, symbolizing the exhausting physical work slaves were forced to undertake. No, like it's not symbolizing exhausting physical work. Like it is exhausting physical work. It's just like a weird use of that word. Who knows what kind of theater experience it was? It just sounds like like bad criticism, bad thinking about art. Cameron, can you teach us about attempted, please, and tell us why it either is or isn't risky? It's less risky than judges think it is. Attempted is a, a drill song by um, Am and Skendo, who are two drill rappers, mid, middling to good. I, I think there are better drill rappers out there than, than them, but I, I, like, I really like their first album, and they're pretty good. I think it's the best, or at least I like out of all the artworks here, mainly because I, I, not because it's risky, but because I quite I think the song is quite is one of their best songs because I think well actually they say it's by A O Am and Skendo it's just by Am Skendo doesn't appear in this at all but but I think this is Am's best song because it's lyrically quite funny and quite intelligent and also and also deals with sort of dark, dark drill lyrics of being uh, an attempted murder in a slightly more unique way than most drill songs do but yeah so this is a drill song. It's risky because they were told by the police not to perform it in certain areas because it is basically about, um, presumably about a real life incident where one member of a gang was attempted to be killed by another one. And uh, actually, I think it's about several attempts on other gang members' lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they then performed it in the area the police told them not to perform it. I would say it was risky because they could be attacked by people in that area and potentially stabbed. The the line the article takes is that it's risky because they were then arrested. This right, and they were and they were true, issued but, a, a suspended prison sentence. Yes, that. But that's not that risky. That's not as risky as getting getting stabbed yeah. by the people they yeah, were. Yeah, they about. didn't even. <laughs> yeah, um, considering they've obviously been in crime, this is not uh, the riskiest thing they've ever done. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They knew that this was going to happen, so in some ways they weren't taking any risks because right. there's no element of chance involved. You, you know, if you go, well, they could have talk, actually gone to prison. They got suspended sentences. I mean, I guess that was a that's risk. Like, true. That was an that was an element of uncertainty. They didn't know it was going to get suspended, but yeah. I don't think it would have been very likely they had gone to prison for one, and two. I still think it isn't by any means very risky okay. compared so to some of the other. You also things. were, so in drill is the subgenre rap you were, you were schooling us in that, that involves a certain, certain like musical and, and, and lyrical con- conventions and frequently tells stories about crimes that have recently happened and often involve the people telling the story. And a lot of these people are still living in a situation in which they're, there's, this isn't the distant past for them. Yeah, um, the B- the BBC like to 
the BBC, when they get people in to defend Drill, like take down this, and most of these people, talk, most of these people are quite white, I'm going to say. But when they, they're mostly, they get people in to defend Drill, at, like people who haven't lived in these areas and clearly aren't like Drill artists and go, and these people's defense against when other people try and ban Drill is that, oh, well, they're just, they're like journalists. They're just reporting on their situation. They're also hmm. participants in some cases. Kind of true. They're participants, right? But yeah. that's not the point. They're wrong. They're not just reporting on their situation. Most of the time, they're quite, they're boasting about the things they participated in. There's a valedictory air to it all. So the, I'm not trying to say drill is unmoral because I listen to a lot of drill and I'm not trying to say we should ban drill. But I also think that arguing that drill is just a perfectly moral piece of journalism is a very weak argument and doesn't stand up. But what the, why I like um, Attempted so much is because I just think it is uniquely funny in the way it attempts to talk about this series of stabbings. I mean, these lines... Um, my big bo- my big four five, it came with fries. I keep her close, my Valentine. Her range ain't shit, it's kind of wide. So if you lack, you're gonna die. I mean, that's, the first two lines of that are kind of there's like there's humor there. You know, he's talking about his gun, but he's saying he's. I like that he's his script as his gun is not being very accurate. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, it's and, funny. You know, he's, pun- he's punning off Burger King, uh, McDonald's meals, yeah, and yeah. how they sound a bit like guns. So it comes with fries. I keep her close, my Valentine. He sings these lyrics in quite harmonic ways. He's like, and that it's very funny. And then a bit later, he goes on, "Ooh, I can't believe my eyes. NB's been chef uh, means stabbed in slang. Uh, ooh, I can't believe my eyes. NB's been chefed like a hundred times. Ooh, can I speak to a referee? That point don't count. It's below the knee. Which again, I I think that that there's humor there. There's that right. it's very dark humor. Right. I quite like dark humor, but like he this song, I think. Is a pretty good, pretty good for drill. A pretty good description of murders, but also placing attempted, in humor and like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Attempt, sorry, attempted murders, attempted stabbing, placing in humor, telling the story. It, it, you know, he does what Emily Dickinson says. He tells all the truth and he tells it kind of slant by having it sort of being very darkly amusing. And I think the the jokeness of it also makes it more horrifying. Extent. But like isn't that the case with all hip hop of from the last thirty years? Like all great hip hop. I mean, you you were you were saying like, you were saying that you thought Eminem was overrated, and we can have that conversation or not. But I mean, that's what okay. is, isn't everything you're saying about drill equally ap- applicable to at least the first ten years of Eminem's career? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let me break in real quick because I um I have to call my daughter's school real quick. Uh, but y'all. Carry on. I also want to talk about how fucking insane British speech laws are. That was our show. Thank you all for listening. You can reach me as always at sleerickets at gmail.com and to hear the rest of that conversation when uh, the boys the boys get into drill and I finally get back from my phone call, go to sleerickets.substack.com and the second half of the conversation will be up there very soon. Uh, with any luck, I will be speaking to you again very soon. Fuck. I can't repeat very soon in that close proximity. God damn it. Until then. Until then.